0: Spoilers Ahead. Spoilers Ahead.
1: Welcome to Max Mike Movies. In this, our second series, we will discuss a different movie each week. A movie that falls into the category of what we're calling Hidden Gems. These are movies that we both think are fun, interesting, or otherwise worth seeing, or thought so at some point but for some reason they don't seem to have reached a particularly wide audience. We'll go over the plot in our show portion, go back and forth over the film's merits, points, and details in The Lowdown, and finish up with The Roundup, where we discuss why we think the film deserves a wider audience and maybe try to figure out why it doesn't have one. This week, we're talking about the 1988 sort-of-cult classic Tapeheads.
0: The Show
1: Best friends, Ivan and Josh, played respectively by John Cusack and Tim Robbins very early in their career, lose their jobs as security guards and decide to become video producers. After taking a number of odd video jobs, they accidentally end up with controversial footage of a rising politician. A chance encounter with their childhood musical idols, the Swanky Modes, played by Sam Moore and Junior Walker, (laughs) inspires them to hijack a Minuto concert... Like you do, to bring their musical inspirations back into the limelight. That pretty much is the nobody the knows movie. who's talking. Oh, I'm very sorry I am Ma- one of your hosts here on the East Coast, Max Levine.
0: And I am a turnip with a happy smile.
1: Yes he, yes he is, but we like to call him Mike. Mike Luce, the human turnip
0: <laughs> I'm turnip full of turnipy goodness.
1: On the internet, no one knows you're a turnip.
0: I thought they all knew. Well, they do now, because oh, that's you new have catch- bravely... That's our new you- catchphrase. I forgot. Yes. On the internet, nobody knows you're a turnip. There. I, I'm waiting for the t-shirt. I want to go back to Toss, Don't Stack. I think that was better. <laughs> that
1: was good, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Remember, folks, Toss, Don't Stack. Won't you? Yes. Thank you. Tape heads. <laughs> Tape heads. I... Oh. Yeah, I still mm. like this film. I think the technically between us this film is my fault um huh well so here's (laughs) the thing so yeah hidden gems this is probably about as hidden as we're gonna get it is still is just, hard to see this film. Well, that's it to, really to, is. To be fair, you can see it on YouTube. Somebody's uploaded it, but I think it's a video, a VHS copy that they mm. somehow duped because it doesn't really quite fit into the screen and so on and so forth. But if you want to buy it, you can go to Amazon and you can purchase it for a mere $35 on disc. Yeah. It is or not a DVD. For the D- DVD. <laughs> yeah, and it is not on iTunes. No. Not on well, it's not on that
1: not on well, we don't want to give too much, you know, no one's paying us, so we don't want to mention names. But uh, it, it's not on the service that rhymes with pet sticks.
0: It's also not on Aflac. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: no,
0: it's not on Netflix. No. Um, I don't know if it's on Amazon, but it's like they—I I, don't—the even I'm, the only thing I can think of is the. Oh, it can't be the music because most of that. No,
1: I'm afraid it's there's, I, I was looking. I've done research, a little bit of research on this. Not that many people are interested in it,
0: which is a shame, and that's why we're here.
1: I'd like to think we're here for more than that. I think we're here also to make the world a greener place. Why with, green? You know, green paint. Oh, because well. it looks nice. I Lots like of green blue. paint. Please wear green paint where you buy green paint where <laughs> you shop or
0: bank. <laughs> I like green yeah. at my bank. Anyway, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ted, so what happened was, and I have to—I'm not sure if my um, my chronology is exactly right on this, but mm-hmm. the film was not going to get a big release as it turns out. No. And the, the producer of this film, a film a company called Pacific Arts, which was run by Mike Nesmith, an ex-monkey. <laughs> uh, and I'm not being like... Would dis- you like to buy a monkey? <laughs> I'm not trying to be insulting. He was in a band called The Monkeys, so he is an ex-monkey. Um, he produced this film, and apparently there was a film that came out before this that he had to do the same thing. And where did they start marketing this film but Boston? Mm. And so we started in Boston again, and I think what happened, if I remember correctly, is a friend of mine and I were going to see another um, film we might or might not be talking about called Lair of the White Worm oh, at, dear. at a very small theater in downtown Boston called the Nickelodeon. The Nickelodeon mm-hmm. had a, the dubious honor of at night being a theater and during the day being a classroom for BU. Mm-hmm. And so we went to see, I think we went to see Lair of the White Worm, and while we were standing in line, because the class hadn't let out, I don't think... Um, there was somebody handing out flyers for this movie coming next week called Tapeheads, And the director was going to be there. And we thought, well, why don't we do that? This sounds cool. And so I actually did get to see this film in the theater and thought it was wonderful. Um, it was like waiting for it to be a big thing. The interesting thing is is that, I, well, it never really got a wide release. I remember distinctly seeing two of the characters playing the characters in this film on David Letterman, which was yeah. the swanky modes. Mm-hmm and uh later by sheer coincidence or even maybe at the same time my sister happened to be working for a film company called pacific arts and managed to get me a copy of it on vhs when it was basically like forget it you're not going to find this so Mm. this is about as hipster as i get (laughs) um and then of course i showed it to my friends and said we need to quote this for the next 35 years which we which we have done uh, 30 anyway Uh, we're working on 35
1: Yeah, now this movie financially was a disaster. The U.S. gross was under (laughs) $350,000. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I think the cameos alone cost more than that. Oh,
1: God, yeah, the cast cost a bloody fortune. And it may have been whoever that company you said was. It was also originally supposed to be produced and released by the De Laurentiis Entertainment Group. Were it? Of Dino de horrendous fame, when my conk die,
0: everybody cry.
1: Nobody cry when Jaws die. My conk die, everybody cry. <laughs> this is, of course, famous quotes from Dino de Laurentis talking
0: about his legendary remake of King Kong in 1977, starring Jessica Lange. Um, it's that actually is a real quote he did. Actually yeah, say he did, that. And, he, and he
1: always got the name wrong. He, instead of Kong, he said conk.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs>
1: yeah. But uh, they unfortunately, right around then, went bankrupt
0: oh. for some
1: unknown reason. Uh, <laughs> but uh, NBC stepped in; NBC
0: uh, Productions took over. <laughs> well, that, they play that noise over the credits. NBC yep. Productions, because the, it's not a turkey, <laughs> the peacock. It's a peacock, yeah, but it, close yes, enough. look, it's close. Yeah, yeah. What other trivia did you find? Since we're still well, in
1: the uh, show portion, sure. Well, the major, the cast and the cameos in this movie, basically, because Mike Nesmith was one of the producers, uh, everybody he knew, he knew a lot of people in the industry, and everybody seemed to want to be in this movie for some reason. <laughs> now, first we have to consider, you know, the the leads, John Cusack and Tim Robbins. John Cusack was still basically doing teen movies. Uh, he, it, this was after, like, Better Off Dead and The Sure Thing, which were very popular, you know, teen sex comedies, and One Crazy Summer, which he remembers fondly because he gets to make out with Demi Moore.
0: <laughs> I bet but, he does.
1: But it was before his big, probably the big one, which was Say Anything, and The Grifters, which was a couple of years away, when he really showed himself as a dramatic actor. He was, tape heads, he was trying to get away from the sort of teen goofy movie, which is odd because in a lot of ways... That's kind of what this is. It is kind of a teen
0: fantasy. Tim Robbins, we'll, we'll get to, we'll I'd get to argue, that. i argue that because it's plainly obvious that they're past high school and they're oh, yeah, already, but they, they're but already they are, failing.
1: <laughs> yeah, but they have not grown up. They're still kids. They still behave like children. Mm. That's, a, that's a lot of what, mm. what their characters are. Tim Robbins, up to this point, had done mostly television. I think his bi- his two big movie parts before this were he had a minor part as Merlin in Top Gun. And, of course, a major role in, I'm so sorry, Tim, Howard the Duck. Howard
0: the Duck. Howard the Duck. Hey, you know, you can't forget <sighs> his amazing like guest appearances on The Love Boat and Hardcastle and McCormick.
1: Yeah, like I said, he did a lot of TV. The outside. same tape heads came out the same year though as Bull Durham which was probably his big breakout role and 6 years later his big thing was Shawshank Redemption. Right. The thing that always amazes me is the swanky modes. Oh, this the duo, swanky this modes. Duo Oh, my God. Their music in this is amazing. I know they do a song called Ordinary Man, and it's a very repetitive song. The thing has, like, 12 words. But it's so catchy. Yes. And it is so danceable, and it's just so much fun. It is so essence of Motown. Because these two guys, the two guys who play them, are Sam Moore and Junior Walker. Now, off the top of most people's heads, they nobody knows thinks of who they are. Sam Moore was famous for being part of the Motown group Sam and Dave, who gave us the song "Soul Man," which the Blues Brothers popularized like twenty years later. Oh, a minor song, I'm sure nobody's heard of. Nobody knows. <laughs> junior Walker of Junior was of Junior Walker and the All Stars, who gave us probably one of the most famous. I mean. No, a lot of people don't know the name of this piece, but I guarantee you, I'm going to listen carefully. This is Junior Walker on the saxophone. That is
0: Shotgun. Okay.
1: That is like one of the most famous... American saxophone pieces. You can play that, and everyone goes, "Oh yeah, I know that, but I don't know what it's called."
0: Was was that, that was a Juni- Walkman you had there? What was that? That was my.
1: That was that was a tablet. Thank you very much.
0: It was a Zune,
1: wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. They're going to make a comeback. <laughs> they get mentioned in Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Mine holds a door open. Um... <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry, Zune lovers. Please yeah. don't write us. Yeah, seriously,
1: uh, guys. You knew it was
0: coming. You knew, <laughs> you knew it wasn't gonna work. But they didn't know the Zune was coming. Uh, <laughs> go. I mean, sorry. Go yeah, ahead yeah, with the trivia. Yes.
1: Yeah, so again, these Zune. two guys—they were Motown legends. They—they they were background guys. They were quieter. But it was just amazing that they would do this. They were kind of hoping this would revitalize them. They did try to tour as the Swanky Modes. Yes, they showed they up on Letterman in character. They did the song didn't really go anywhere which is a dang
0: shame the whole film didn't go anywhere and that is a dang shame yeah and the music in this film is remarkable it is in
1: many ways so 80s we've had a couple of movies we talked about how the music was pure 90s this this whole movie is the 80s you don't get any more 80s than this you (laughs) really don't i mean first off the, the character of Mo Fuzz, <laughs> am I the crying? video producer, am I crying? It was played
0: by Don Cornelius, the host of Soul Train. Yes. Now and, I am probably wrong in this. Was he one of the uh, alien future dudes from Bill and Ted? No, okay. that was Clarence Clemens. Oh, okay, okay,
1: yeah. All, another again, very tall black guy.
0: Well, they are uh,
1: they are big beefy men, but uh, and with very deep voices. But no, Don Cornelius as we can see in this movie is not an actor. <laughs> I think he was perfect. Oh, he did the job perfectly cuz basically he's playing Don, a, a sort of a sleazier version of Don Cornelius. I'm going to let you do this one on spec. <laughs> <laughs> Let's and he, his line is one of the taglines of the movie. Let's get into trouble, baby. <laughs> but uh, the other people like there is a character in there this is I was a little surprised to find this they, one of the video aces which is uh, uh, Ivan and Josh uh, they do a job for a restaurant called Roscoe's House of Chicken and Waffles. This is a real restaurant This is not just a real restaurant this place is a landmark in Los Angeles. it is legendary. However the guy in the commercial who, who does the original lame commercial and then does Roscoe's rap is not Roscoe it's not it, it's actually an actor named King Cotton who probably is only known at least between the two of us from his brief role as a hick backer in Ed Wood
0: yes I yeah yeah. Um, that, that's, that's a name you want to take to the bank. Hick Backer. Yeah. My name is yes. Backer. Hick Backer. That,
1: that's actually how um, he's listed, is Hick Backer. Yeah. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic shows up as Weird Al Yankovic. He has no lines. All he does is throw John Cusack out of a building. And who wouldn't? No, and, I'm just kidding. The other person who has fun throwing John Cusack out of a building, this generic... long-haired rock star who's played by Ted Nugent.
0: The Nuge. The Nuge. Not a fan, but
1: you have to say the Nuge, it's required. You do. Mike Nesmith himself makes a cameo as Skip the Water Delivery Guy. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Doug E. Fresh, a rap star, shows up as a record executive. Is he the Uh, one beatboxing? Yep, he's the one who doesn't actually talk to him. He just sits there beatboxing. Uh... There is a brief shot of a a group called Visual Aplomb, which is Dave and Steve Higgins of the Higgins Boys and Gruber. I don't know
0: who that is. And of
1: course, there is a character, not really in the movie, he's just sort of in the background on TV screens, Don (laughs) Druzel, who is is again another wonderful... Idea of an '80s icon, which is the infomercial done by someone who's trying to teach you how to make how to get rich, which is basically a guy who figured out, hey, if I do infomercials and write a a sleazy book, people will send me money and I'll get rich. And this is played by now in the credits, it says literally it's played by Jack Cheese. that, that is how he's listed. It is not Jack Cheese. It is, in fact, Robert Bobcat Goldthwait. Yes. St- stand-up comedian and now movie director. And
0: utterly unrecognizable.
1: Completely. The voice is different. He's got his hair all slicked down. It's bizarre.
0: I think I can. I think I can. I think you can.
1: <laughs> cash flow. Cash flow. Uh, Dirk Slammer, the lead singer of the Blender Children, is played, this is a little more obscure, by legendary punk vocalist Stiv Bators. Yeah. Of, of the Dead Boys and the Blender Children are actually his band, the Lords of the New Church. Right. Uh, S- Sadly, he sp- died only
0: two years after this.
1: Yeah, in a bizarre car accident. Yes,
0: he apparently got hit by a car, walked four miles back to his hotel, and died.
1: Yeah. He said, oh, I'm fine, thud. Yeah. Eh, very sad. Who else do we have in here? Uh, well, let's see. Well, oh, the band Cube Squared... Yes. Who are supposed to be who have sold more a- albums in Sweden? Now the ones ABBA. singing,
0: not the ones we see, right? Uh,
1: right, right. The ones who are actually the voices. Yeah. That is Devo. That is the whole bit. They did. The, Nesmith asked them to be in it. They wouldn't. Didn't want to actually be in the movie, but they would. Uh, they let their voice and musical. I talents. think it is
0: actually Swedish too. I think it does translate.
1: It is. They actually wrote this song <laughs> "Baby Doll" and then translated it into and it's Swedish. <laughs> Yeah, uh, a couple of others. First of all, there are all these old TV actors. Connie Stevens yes. is in this. Lyle Alzado. And, of course, the bad guy, Clue Gulager, who Mike and I know... Oh, from many MS. From, <laughs> San, from many Mysties, Particularly San Francisco International and I Made For TV, love
0: you! Yeah, Gulligoo, Galager. I don't know. Well, It's funny because... <laughs> Yvonne Gulagan. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. that's exactly the same person. Um... I In my notes, my spell corrector said, no, I don't know what Clue is, so I'm going to teach it to Flu. So, Flu Gulagger. The other (laughs) MST alum from here, another uh, multiple uh, award winner from MST, I believe, is Doug McClure, um, Mm -hmm. who uh, plays the dad. So, yeah. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, there's still a couple more cameos. Uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, there are. There was one that was a complete surprise to me. During the uh, in, rather intimate videotape of Senator Norman Martin oh, you did find that one I did there is just a brief <laughs> shot it's like three seconds of a woman spanking him that woman is Courtney Love <laughs> she is uncredited though <laughs> she is uncredited but I watched for I, I saw this in the credits and I thought
0: that can't be right and I watched that scene. So she's like oh my god that is Courtney Love No, oh, I'm glad she made it in there <laughs> still two in there that I that I have in my list
1: Uh, I'm not sure what the other one is, but one of the ones that is, I think, one of the most significant and actually this was a fairly bold and subversive move. At the very end of the movie undercutting the happy ending, sorry more spoilers uh, Josh and Ivan are arrested by the FBI for broadcasting obscenity they broadcast the senator's sex tape (laughs) and uh, one of the FBI agents who is is. Uh, wrestling them into cuffs says you "You should be careful remember what we did to Jello Biafra the man who says this is Jello Biafra. Lead singer of the Dead Kennedys. Yes he is. Lead singer of the Dead Kennedys and a man who had the dubious honor three years prior 1985 to go on trial for obscenity for the Dead Kennedys album uh, album cover wherein they used the H.R. Geiger print Penis Landscape well that's yeah. just a
0: title it's not what it really uh, yeah yeah it, it is <laughs> exactly
1: what it sounds like it is a lot of penises
0: can you say and that this, yeah we uh, yes
1: okay a lot of johnsons
0: there we go well, i know you can say <laughs> it on saturday night live but it's neither saturday or at night
1: you can't say johnson on the on the air paul do you know that
0: unless you're talking about your pants <laughs> <laughs> there's one other camo about it to be fair mm-hmm. the person is not their name doesn't pop up, but they are playing themselves and that's Ooh. Martha Quinn. And the reason Oh that yes, that's right. The reason that she's significant is what she was one of the initial famous VJs of mm-hmm. the MTV video era. She was one of the first generation, yeah. And, of course, she also played Bobby Brady's wife in The Brady's.
1: Oh, that I did not know. Oh, yes, God. she did. The Brady's
0: or The Brady Brides? No, The Brady's. When, it, okay. when they try to get all serious and... These distinctions are important. <laughs> yeah, so Bobby ends up being a race car driver. And he gets in an accident and yeah. it's all touch and go as to whether Bobby's going to make it. But luckily, Martha Quinn saves the day and, uh-huh. yeah. uh uh-huh. Yeah, Martha Quinn, one of the... Uh, there was three. Kurt Loader mm. was one of them. Yeah. I'm trying to remember uh, the Jesse, third Jesse, one. Jesse Van Camp, he was uh, one. Yeah, but the VJs, the people actually introducing the, the yeah. videos, because there weren't that many back then, mm. and there was plenty of time to talk. Um, Martha Quinn was, like, arguably probably the most famous next to Kurt yeah. Loader, who eventually went on to do MTV News, mm. which, uh, yeah. Yeah, well... But, again, very 80s, this... Yeah, ext-
1: that's another aspect where this is so 80s. They never say MTV; they call it RVTV. Right. And but it's it's very obviously MTV, which had just come into existence four years before. Uh, everything mm, that cou-
0: nope, a lot earlier than that. I thought it was 84. No, because I remember seeing it at uh, a uh, somebody's house in high school in 83, oh. and it wasn't new then. I think MTV dates back to 82. No okay. kidding. But anyway, one of
1: the, th- the things I love is when uh, Mo Fuzz is talking to them about production
0: values.
1: <laughs> what, what what are production values? There only there's only two things. No, nope,
0: he actually says one thing.
1: Oh, one thing. Yes, tits and ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, right. <laughs> and of course, if you look at the music, that's the other thing. The videos they do, they are. Really, I don't know if you would even call them send-ups. They're just very accurate depictions of 80s music videos. Yes. You know, really pretentious imagery, a lot of, you know, somber stuff or explosions or women in spandex. Oh, God, the remember the groupies or the Blender children? Yes. Are you famous? Are you with the band? Sign my butt. Teach me to read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I remember seeing that in the theater. That just cracked me up because it's a throwaway. It's there for like two seconds and it's gone. There's a lot of that, but we'll get to that. There's a lot of little bits. Is there any more trivia though? Uh, no, that's pretty much the, the trivia. To me, is is the cameos and the cast. Yeah, I mean, again, not, yeah, because there's it, there is not a lot of information about this movie no. out there. Just not too many people seem that interested. Uh, the in one it.
0: last piece of sort of trivia I'll throw in there is that the director of this film is mostly known for music videos. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, yes, but he also did do the movie version of Car 54, Where
0: Are You? Yeah, he did. (laughs) Alan Fishman. (laughs) Because, yeah, Car 54. nobody had to. My feeling was that the the rights on that had long expired and nobody cared. And somebody said, they're redoing 50 shows. Let's do this. It's cheap. It's got to be. So, uh, yeah, so I guess that's it for trivia. We can go into our discussion.
1: The lowdown. I, don't, I gotta tell you, this movie doesn't hold up as well for me Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, there is parts of it I just love The music is wonderful, it really is uh, the, the guys who did the back most of the background music Was this band called Fishbone Who show up in the movie as a band called Ranchbone Right <laughs> But the music, even the background stuff The incidental stuff is really good There are some incredibly quotable lines But I don't think it holds
0: together as a movie I have no problem with it whatsoever. Okay, that's great. (laughs) I still love it. It's just so quirky. Um, There's just these wonderful little parts that just don't make sense, or little, tiny little bits. Um, One of my favorite little sort of continuing gags is, starting in the beginning of the film, they're driving around in a VW thing, which itself (laughs) is very 80s. I think it showed up Mm. in the 70s originally, and it was based on, uh, I want to say it was a troop carrier um, from Germany. Yes, yes. Um, really ugly car. It was about as bare bones as it got. I don't think the inside of the doors are padded. It's just like sheet metal and an engine. And they're driving around in it, and at the very beginning of the film, the car starts with one parking ticket. And as the <laughs> film continues, that pile of parking tickets gets bigger and bigger and in fact they at the never end remove the f- them no They'd and at the end of the film they actually go to jail not for transmitting the porn but for their outstanding parking tickets
1: right they go to minimum security prison <clears throat> that's the end of the movie according to the credits yeah they end they end up in the uh, jail for parking tickets which actually i don't think can happen
0: but yeah. well but apparently it's a worse crime in la than it would be for broadcasting porn
1: there are a lot of wonderful little bits the fact that josh's parents and the hitmen drive exactly the same car
0: yeah and if you look carefully you realize it's not only that they drive the same model it,
1: it is the same car it's the same car the markings on it the scratches it's the same car <laughs>
0: um the license plate on the thing is me first uh which is perfect it must be uh, ivan's car otherwise it wouldn't make sense ah, yep, as they're driving yep. in the beginning for so no one no for some unknown reason one of the cars passing them has an auga horn so they're just huh. driving through LA and suddenly Aruga in the background for no reason. Um, there are
1: just these odd little fantastic elements too. At one point they're driving in that car, and each one of them just reaches his hand <laughs> off camera you know, out of the window of the car and pulls a beer out of thin air.
0: Yes. I had that in my notes too.
1: That was uh, very odd. and suddenly the two female the two love wow. interests, Belinda and Samantha uh, when they're arguing, they suddenly start having this martial arts duel. Yes. Which leads to the famous line two ninja
0: bitches trying to kill each yes. other. Yes. Uh, and, and the best part is that uh, Samantha, you might argue, could have had her numchucks, uh up the <laughs> back of her jacket, but Belinda pulls her two. Um, what do they call those, Bally songs? Is that what those are?
1: Yeah, Bally Song, Butterfly, Butterfly Nives. 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 out of nowhere. We're
0: guessing her slippers, because she's yeah. wearing uh, long johns, and there's like no pockets yeah. or anything, but who cares? Um, hmm. There's a scene early in the film when Josh and Ivan get fired, and justifiably so from their wonderful security yeah. guard job, and they're in a bar, yeah. and it suddenly occurs to Ivan that they should be making videos. Well, behind him in the background, <laughs> suddenly a single light bulb comes on, yeah, right when he Which gets is, the idea. And it's this it's goofy a goofy little yeah. throwaway thing, but it's just,
1: you or, know. Also, in that same bar, when the bartender, okay, you guys have had enough. Is says, what? Is it, all right, no, brothers against drunk driving have been really up in my face. So you got to recite the alphabet backwards, skipping the vowels and giving the American Sign Language signal for each letter. Which they do.
0: And they do it flawlessly. <laughs> yes, they do. That's the thing. That's, all right, so I'm going to get one more little, tiny little thing. I love the video protector cop. So he shows up near the end of the film. He's meant to be a home security thing where like people are startled into thinking there's a real cop there or a real security guard with a gun. He shoots at two of the hitmen. But he also hangs around for the party. And he's in the background dancing to the music in tune. They actually talk to him and it's like, you know, okay, you you did great. And it's like he shoulders his gun. And it's like, it makes no sense, but it's great. It's this wonderful little thing. Um, One Mm. of the reasons that I think the film still holds up is for me... Tim Robbins and John Cusack make a great pair. I really like their chemistry.
1: I, they have good chemistry and good energy. And together. To the best
0: of my knowledge, they only ever appear in one other film, and even then, it's not—they're not really paired up. It's uh, High Fidelity, and
1: yeah, and the Nick Horn, based on the Nick Hornsby book, and they're only in one scene together.
0: Yes, and it involves an air conditioner, um, yes. like we said, and it's—it's it's brutal. Uh, it's really, really <laughs> horrible. But mm. I really like them together because you've got John Cusack like this over the top ambitious shallow guy and you've got Tim Robbins who's half awake but very creative and has the heart of an artist and they just work well together and you can totally see why these guys would have been friends since you know little league so um that's one of the reasons I really like this film mm. I I I like I say.
1: There's a lot I like about it. I love the music. Uh, I do like uh, Cusack and Robbins together. Their chemistry is amazing, and they're just—it's astonishing because the characters are so unlikable, and yet you <laughs> still kind of like them. You still root for them. Yeah. Because they're such—they're both complete jackasses. Well, they're a lot better than anybody else in the film, like Norman Hart. That's Mart. The thing. Everyone else in the film, except maybe Belinda, yeah, is a horrible, horrible person. It's it. The thing is, I read. I was reading an article about this uh, movie. It is very. It was very much set up to be a cult movie. It had all of the elements. It had obscure TV actors. It had pop culture references. It had interesting music, but it feels kind of
0: sculpted. It feels kind of artificial that way. Really, I don't feel that at all. I mean, because mm. for me, it's like we're going to get all these obscure people to do stuff. We're not going to get like Bob Denver, you know. We're not going to get. Um, God, who is Herman Munster? Uh, um, oh, I'm blanking. He, I, I am too. Fred Gwynn. We're not going to get. Yeah, we're it. not going to get like big character actors that people know. And the people that are popular now, like Bobcat Goldplate, we're going to make it so you can't identify them.
1: Yeah, but you've also got, you know, the manager of Menudo is Kid Creole of Kid Creole and the Coconuts. He was pretty well known at that point. I didn't know who he was. Yeah, I mean, when I, I went
0: when I saw this in '88, I recognized <laughs> Weird Al. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably knew who John Cusack was Tim Robbins was not a name yet Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if anybody else Stood out um, As I certainly didn't know Who the Brothers Diamond were Otherwise known as Swanky (laughs) Modes I I don't know I just really I loved the quirkiness and I loved the dialogue And the weird little touches and stuff I I don't I don't feel like To me I don't get the impression that this was made for future hipsters like that's just not what it feels like it worked out that way but mm-hmm. part of the problem is that it's really hard to have seen it the fact that i saw it in a theater at all is kind of amazing and it was only because i was seeing something else and got a flyer handed to me mm-hmm. um, pretty much the way they their business grows in the film it's like here have a flyer it was like that and then the director was there for questions afterward which was cool
1: but I mean, I saw it because our mutual friend Dan said, "Hey, come on, you got to see this. I want to see it for the third time."
0: Oh, you actually went and saw <laughs> the Nickelodeon too? I did. Oh, Yeah, because Dan was the one who I went with. So mm-hmm. um, it doesn't feel because that to me implies an insincerity, and I don't feel that the film's insincere. Uh eh, I didn't used to. Now I'm not so sure. Uh I'm, I'm still I'm still on the side mm. that it isn't insincere. Um, mm. I, there's the, it's one of the interesting points of commentary, which isn't which was meant to be against Reagan, and now it's like, hey, you know, Norman Mart doesn't look quite so bad. Yeah, isn't it disturbing? <laughs> yeah.
1: And there's also a little sort of uh, foreshadow to another character in another movie. The song that he's using, is political song,
0: Repave America. Yeah, you see who wrote that? Bob Roberts. Well, no, did you see who wrote the song?
1: Oh, uh, not in the credits. No. Tim
0: Robbins. <laughs> yeah,
1: oh, I'm sorry. That yes, because he wrote it and then he used it again in his political satire, Bob Roberts, the move, the first movie he directed a few years later.
0: Is that the one where he he's d- the Hollywood producer? No.
1: No, no. It's the one where he. It's he's the. Uh, he he's a political candidate who is obviously a horrible person. He's also a folk singer. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's. It's actually, it's pretty interesting, and again, there's a lot of interesting people, and in it. it's just, it's very heavy hand that is satire.
0: Wait, he's, he's a folk singer, and he becomes a political, that sounds like, what was that Andy Griffith film, Voice of the Nation? Did you ever see that? Uh, no,
1: I don't think I did.
0: It's, yeah, uh, my dad showed it to me. Uh, if I may have the title wrong, and I'm sure somebody will correct me. I think it's called Voice of the Nation, and it starts off with Andy Griffith as basically Andy Griffith, and mm-hmm. he's doing all his homespun wisdom and stuff. And basically somebody decides he'd make a great candidate. And he's working himself up through government based on these old home aphorisms and, you know, this this supposed honesty and stuff. And becoming part of the political machine, he, of course, becomes corrupted and, you know, egotistical right. and stuff. And eventually gets brought down in front of the microphone like he, he's overheard. Not unlike the uh, probably lesser known film Mr. Saturday Night. Um, which was Billy Crystal? I forget who directed that. That wasn't that wasn't political. That was just no, the, no, no.
1: But he got the story of a stand-up. But he
0: also he lost face because of something that got inadvertently broadcast when it shouldn't. That's oh. how Fa- Voice of the Nation ends up happening too. So okay. it's, I see a parallel between Voice of the Nation and Bob Roberts, although I haven't seen Bob Roberts. Mm. So who was the one where he was the producer? Uh, where, oh, the, oh, god,
1: yeah, I know which one you mean. I think it's actually called the producer. Oh, it might be. I think so. That yeah, he's a Hollywood producer, and he ends up basically murdering a screenwriter for the guy's right. work. Yeah, that's yeah. The one where they're
0: like, you know, it's like Star Wars meets. Uh... Yes, it's Kramer versus
1: Kramer yeah. meets Godzilla. Or... Yeah. <laughs> okay, I want to do the, gra- the sequel to The Graduate. Mrs. Robinson is like living in their attic, and she's insane.
0: <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Can't watch that again. I remember it- liking that.
1: It's a very dark and nasty movie. But yeah, it's really well done. It's a real vicious send-up of Hollywood. I just want to bring up a... I want to go back to the Jello by Afro cameo. Because, you know, that was a really... It was an interesting thing because of the historical period. You know, 85, around then... You remember what was happening then? That was when the PMRC, the Parents Music resource council oh,
0: the ones who wanted all the, the yeah um, the one that was labels. headed
1: by it would have gone nowhere it would have been nothing except the woman who was running it was tipper gore oh and her husband was at that time senator al
0: gore the player that's what it was yeah oh the player that's yeah. it okay anyway
1: yeah and uh you know it's suddenly because of him it's like there's hearings in front of Congress because, you know, well, the wife and I think there should be warning labels on these album covers because they're being seen by children. And I have to finish inventing the internet.
0: <laughs> Bob Dole doesn't think this is appropriate. <laughs> no, Bob Dole doesn't like these albums. Ah, ah. Bob Dole, ah. As you can tell, Max and I do amazing impersonations of Bob Dole. Uncanny, yeah, isn't it? I couldn't tell us apart. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Yeah, but...
1: You know, he was one of the only ones who was actually tried for obscenity. He he didn't appear before Congress. They actually, you know, he he eventually uh, won the trial, but it damp, but it took so long and uh, cost him so much money. It was pretty much the end of the mo- end of the band. <clears throat> yeah, I always loved the uh, you know the congressional hearings. Who did they get up in front of? Them? They got D. Snyder from Twisted Sister, who shows up in his makeup and his crazy long hair and. And he got Frank Zappa, who is pretty much (laughs) utterly open in his contempt of everyone there. And then they decide, you know what, we're going to get somebody who I bet will be on our side. And they call up John Denver. Mr. Clean, all-American there. Hi, John. You don't think this is a bad idea, do you? And he's like, well, golly gee, Mr. Senator. Yes, I think this is a terrible idea. Like, "Well, well, thank you, Mr. Wait, what? He was like, Oh no, sir, I don't think you should censor them. and that's terrible. You know, that you know, I used to get censored because people thought Rocky Mountain High was about smoking marijuana, and you know, I don't even know what that is. So. <laughs> Apparently he doesn't know what
0: gas is either. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, John Denver oh, fan. Oh, <laughs> oh, too soon, man. It was nineteen what, seventy
1: eight? Come on. It still hurts. <laughs> Come on, Rainbow Connection. Oh. I know that was Paul
0: Williams. Shut up. <laughs> you are double fired. Uh, forever. Um, uh, yeah, yeah Jelly Afro, for those of you who probably don't know, I and mean, that's his stage name, you more probably know him better as Eric Boucher. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. i oh yeah.
1: sure everyone knows him as that. Yeah.
0: Um, if, yeah, I mean, we could get into discussion about the lyrics thing. Mm-hmm. I think the big issue with the lyrics and this is going way off topic but so what it's our show we'll do whatever we want the problem with the lyrics thing i don't think meant was was that the artist didn't want people to necessarily know ahead of time what their kids were listening to the big problem was that it really dictated where those things were going to be sold and for a long time the number one place to buy music or at least that was selling music was unfortunately walmart and Walmart was basically uh, like, we're not only are we not going to sell stuff with those explicit lyrics. They were strong enough that they would actually make the record companies come out with Walmart versions of albums, which didn't have the version. Yeah, um, the way
1: Ed Sullivan used to do. on right.
0: his Show. We can't. Baby, we can't get much higher. Um, <laughs> much better. <laughs> not the way he yeah, said. Yeah. That's. What, yeah. Um. So the sense cent- because they weren't being censored and a lot of them were claim calling censorship they weren't being censored what was initially being asked was we want to know hey does this album contain stuff that we don't think our kids are ready to listen to not don't use those lyrics the problem was is that in practice that's what was happening that was how it would end up working yeah. it's like
1: yes we want explicit labels on these records but uh, we also know that there are a whole bunch of places that will simply not sell anything with those labels on. Right, it. and then we lose so money. That is
0: that is what is co- that's called economic censorship. Right, and as we all know, the the lyric ban has since totally disappeared, and no one ever see. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's still here. But on the other hand, I don't know if they still bother doing that. You know, Walmart version of stuff. No, well, I anymore. still
1: re- I still remember. Uh, I don't know who it was. It might have been D. Snyder, or it was uh, somebody who D. said, "Yeah, <laughs> telling kid putting telling kids don't buy these albums right. because the lyrics are explicit is like trying to keep ants away from a picnic by throwing sugar at them." Yeah, I mean it's true. It was just stupid. It was a pointless uh, exercise that accomplished nothing. It just made a lot of people's lives a little more difficult for a little while. My, I loved. I remember watching an episode of uh, Ted Koppel and he used to get people on and have a panel. And the people he had on arguing this point, on the one hand, there's Frank Zappa. Oh, forget it, you're lost. (laughs) Very, yeah, who was, whatever else you think of Frank Zappa, he was an incredibly eloquent and sharp arguer. On the other hand, there's Tipper Gore, the other extreme. And there in the middle to moderate, and I felt so bad for him, is Donny Osmond.
0: (laughs) Donny Osmond, Donny Osmond, Donny, Donny, Donny. It was
1: so sad because... Tipper Gore just ignored him and Frank Zappa just had had nothing but contempt for him and he's trying to be a voice of reason and they're Zappa and Gore are just ignoring him and just taking shot after shot at each other and you could see Copple just grin, sitting there, trying not to smile, going, "I got, I'm getting so much money." <laughs> you I'm
0: know, sorry, I, bet, I, I didn't see that debate, but I bet the floor was really dirty that night. Oh my god! Because they needed Tipper to be to, to use to mop it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, she
1: all she was doing was yelling out cliches and such. Yeah, I'm afraid Frank Zappa wiped the floor with her, but it didn't matter because he was so rude and obnoxious about it that yeah. he kind of undercut his own case. And again, the person, I think the winner still was Donnie, because everyone came out of this going, are you okay, Mr. Osmond? Would you like a glass of water? Are you okay? <laughs> or milk. Yes. <laughs> you know, he's a little rock and roll. Just a little, yeah, bit, just a little bit. Just a little bit. In his purple well, socks. Do you remember yeah. that? Donnie yep, and... I do. I remember the purple damn socks.
0: Uh, yeah. But as so... that's
1: uh, that's music, and we're talking about music. the the swanky modes music that's in this movie and most of the songs are written by them you know the song that the hitmen are singing language of love that's if you listen the swanky modes are singing it in the background they're singing it over them it's their song and there is this wonderful song that they sing in the bar you don't even get to hear all of it it's called audience for your pain yeah it's a great song and it's it's showcases Sam Moore's voice and Junior
0: Walker's sax it's just frigging beautiful it's amazing as far as, I, I mean, I, I didn't look into the songs, and I don't know, did they appear anywhere else, or were they done for this movie?
1: Uh, they were done for this movie, but they used, Ugh. they put them together on the soundtrack, and they did try to put together a Swanky Modes album, which tanked, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, because, you know, I bought the soundtrack when it came out, I still have it, which it too is now, you know, $40 or whatever for a CD, which is ridiculous. Um, and those songs particularly are just dead-on great songs. I've sung them mm. in the car many times. Um, there's a couple of other things that they re-recorded for the soundtrack, which are great. Roscoe's rap is awesome. Oh, that's um, my favorite. It's utterly goofy and, again, very repetitive, but it's so much
1: fun and it's so silly because you you have what sounds like this hardcore rap song about a chicken and waffles restaurant. <laughs> I mean, when's the last time you had a wing with a waffle? Well, well that's, that's too long. Not it, ought to it ought to be, be unlawful. unlawful.
0: <laughs> Also, um, oh, and, and this God. was not the first film to do this. As far as I know, it's the second that I know of. Um, mm-hmm. The over credits bit where they're like, "Hey, we're not going to yes. waste this time. We're going to do something." And there's a new Roscoe's rap, and Roscoe talks about how he got a contract with Mo Fuzz, and yep, now you should watch Don Truzel Jack, you know, yep. uh, Bobcat Goldfield on TV, and yep. And so, you, <laughs> wait, what was the first one? Uh, as far as I know, the first one was Ferris Bueller. And to be fair, because there's a oh. story going on, and then it does stop, and it's just credits. But then they have yeah. that you're still here it's over Go it's home. over Go um, so those are the first two films I know that did that so you know Marvel you should mm. say thank you because that's their mm.
1: idea well you know the dead, The first Deadpool movie pays a little tribute to Ferris Bueller at the end yes it does <laughs> but of course it doesn't
0: pay a tribute to this because nobody
1: like, no. saw it nobody even saw this No, um,
0: it's got <laughs> a couple of other odd things here. there's a song called Surfer's Love Surfer's War Chant um, and it's by, oh, I can't remember who it's by. It's somebody famous too. It's like they're in here. Fishbone is in there. A band mm-hmm. I had never heard of otherwise, but I like their song. They're actually mm. kind of making fun of country western, sort of. Yep. Um, it's well worth seeking out. I think it's actually available on iTunes or or your MP3 streaming service of your choice. The CD itself is ridiculously expensive, but you know who cares? Mm-hmm. But those those Motownish songs, Ordinary Man audience for your pain they're just really good songs i've yeah. seen I, you know i harmonize with them all the time yep.
1: yep i have no problem at all with the music in this movie i, I think it's terrific it's, and some of, some of the tonal shifts are a little weird like people die in this movie and it's just shrugged off I'm trying you know nick nicky the uh oh. the mistress she uh quote disappears it's very clear he's had her killed
0: well, and they don't actually the bl- say it. The... They just say that they searched her and what tape wasn't on her. Yeah, because but... he
1: says, you ju- you're ju- you just ceased to exist. <laughs> yes, so... We know what happened. And also, the Blender children are all killed. <laughs> and... Awesome! Yes, <laughs> awesome. It was a great effect. <laughs> they di- I they... can't wait, wait, wait for the wait. next show. They
0: die because a piece of what, they, they don't call it Skylab, but that's what they meant. Yeah, they call it Spylab. Because a piece yeah. of Skylab fell on them during the <laughs> concert. Um, yeah. For those who don't remember, and I'm going to guess that's most of you, Skylab was our first mm. orbiting scientific platform, which, when its time came to pass on, it didn't pass on, it passed down. And the best part about Skylab about Skylab coming down was that nobody knew where it was going to land. It's like, well...
1: There was a real panic. Yeah, well, People were actually afraid we were going to be hit by huge chunks of <laughs> flaming satellite. You know,
0: there was panic and panic. I was working for a day camp at the time, because it was during the summer, and uh, we had Skylab Day, and we made a big target in the middle of the field, and kids <laughs> went around with little tinfoil hats. Uh, <laughs> oh dear! Well, that's a good way to prep them for the future. Oh, okay, be sure. Fine. But yeah, to be fair, and Merlin Hinkle dies. Aye, Merlin M- Hinkle. Merlin Hinkle, <laughs>
1: being of sound mind and but they're one of the gigs they do as okay. a video. Will and Josh is so intent on getting a good performance out of the dying man that they do, like, 14 takes, and he dies during the last one.
0: So they end up, like, putting sunglasses on him and working his mouth like a puppet and having a... And don't forget to pay Video (laughs) aces. It's
1: it's good value for your money.
0: (laughs) I'm going to go to sleep now. (laughs) God. See stuff like that. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. Blender children, the spy satellite. It's awesome. Uh, the Nikki, th- yeah, you know, that's okay because she turns into Courtney Love, so it's got a happy ending, <laughs> sort of. <yeah. laughs> all right, all right, he'll take you. <laughs> <laughs> the prince pick me. Yeah, when you,
1: yeah, that's the sad thing is nowadays, but he, but they consider this incredibly disturbing sex tape. We would just look at it and go, eh, whatever. Yeah. I mean, the lighting, I mean, I, I do like at one point, Norman Martis, when they're about to watch the tape, he says, uh, you, know, you understand, this is just a, a
0: single home camera, you know, but uh, I, I'm proud of the work. Let's see, what else is in there? Oh, um, well, you know, the big reveal about Belinda being... Uh... Uh, Norman Mott's daughter, and it's like, oh, um, yeah, I was going to tell you. <laughs> it's like it's kind of major. I mean, your your father's guys were shooting us. Yeah, you got them to stop, but um, yes. it kind of represents everything you hate, never mind what we hate. Well, maybe Ivan doesn't hate. And there's that one direct fourth wall break that comes out
1: of nowhere when they're under fire from the hitmen and the swanky moans say, we'll take, we'll take the briefcase out to them. Cusack and Robbins both look at the camera and, in unison, say, "We, we love, the love the swanky, swanky modes." modes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I'm sorry that felt that that's a little jarring because it doesn't happen anywhere else in the
0: movie. Uh, yeah, but then you've got when you pair that with things like them reaching for beers. I mean, there's definitely yeah, points they their yeah, like this is a movie. We're not gonna, we're kind of pretending it's not, but. Like I said,
1: there are fantastic elements in it. You know, just weird stuff. Yeah,
0: and that's—I mean—that's the thing that I like. That it's so quirky, and that they were willing to mm. take those little risks. Because, like, those are things that could easily—and probably did—easily make audiences go, "Well, it's dumb. I don't watch this." And we spice that. It won't make any sense. Um, <laughs> you know sign my butt teach me to read stuff like that <laughs> it's like where are the modes they're in the out of control booth <laughs> oh, oh god and i like the marquee for the, well, the menudo show it says
1: the swanky modes and maybe menudo everybody loves menudo
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah yeah talk about something that needs to be explained oh yeah so menudo I mean, was
0: this band yeah uh, it's a boy band
1: from uh was it from mexico i think it was from Mexico. I think it was actually from Mexico
0: City, but it was from Mexico. If I remember correctly, uh, once you hit 16, you couldn't be a menudo I, anymore.
1: I thought it was 15, but yes. One, yeah, No, that's right. 15 was the cutoff yeah. age. Yeah. you Basically, it was like five interchangeable boys or six. And as they aged out, they would bring in younger boys. And they were a huge sensation for
0: about... 12 and a half minutes. Then they passed the Dutch up on the left hand side. Now I know yeah, that's musical yeah, some, youth. Um, <laughs> yes. It's sort of like that Disney movie, Almost Angels, where you're in the Vienna Boys Choir until you're not. <laughs> ah. Uh, but, 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 Menudo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Menudo. And that's the thing is like, you could have a favorite Menudo, but it wouldn't last long. Um, no.
1: We could be fined up to $1,000 per <laughs> Menudo. Yeah. And I do like the fact that when this, at the, at the final show, which is just a barn burner. I mean, when the swanky modes come up and they're doing ordinary man with the full and the hit men come out as their backup dancers and Roscoe's fly girls are there, the female backup singers yep. and everyone's just rocking. That's a great moment. And even the fact though, that the announcer who is clearly there for Minuto announced, is, you know, the y caballeros. Y it is los swanky modes. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you looked at the
0: audience, <laughs> not generally mm-hmm. the audience i would have thought going to a, a menudo concert like we've got our, our heavy yeah, metal yeah. Not guy i a lot
1: of not a lot of teenage girls um, oh it,
0: well speaking uh yeah so there's a death that i had missed up until this film and i bring mm-hmm. it up now because it's in that scene so when oh the two guys on either <laughs> side of the metal <laughs> it's like we cut back yes. and he's going awesome the two guys next to him are headless
1: um, yep. Because the hitmen, in their attempt to stop the, the videotape from getting to the control room, are throwing hand grenades!
0: Yes, apparently they're like really precise hand grenades, yeah. so like little bits of shirapno leap out into the audience and <laughs> slice the heads off the two guys on the other side of that yeah. uh, hard rock fan. Um, so, yeah, that's why, I you know, I mean, I suppose the Nick th- Nicky thing is kind of sinister, but mm. I don't know, the whole film is so not sinister... I just... I, I don't know. Mm. I love the film. I've watched it many times. I will say that I, I noticed that it does slow down a bit in the middle. Mm. Um, but it's got some great lines. The music is wonderful. Um, you can't take it seriously. This could easily fall into a guilty pleasures thing. Yeah, um, yeah I can see that. Some of the
1: language is so odd when they, they see the swanky modes in this cheesy bar. And Josh is saying can't believe these guys are legends they should be living like kings nay, nay gods.
0: gods yeah i know but it's like
1: it's, <laughs> I, I love it i don't know i'm gonna yeah. excuse that because
0: i don't care okay
1: and i do like ivan kind of sums it up nicely the uh when they're up on the rooftop and they're dancing and they're realizing you know nothing is working out and they're just dancing and josh turns and says you know well, what was th- they're gonna take everything from us what was the point and Ivan, in a rare moment of honesty, as opposed to because Ivan is a consummate bull artist and very he's much just, a capitalist, and he's <laughs> and he's bad yeah. at it. He's a terrible. He's he's like the the guy who thinks he's a marketing genius who isn't. And he just, in one moment of honesty, is
0: the point is to try, man. Yeah, and
1: that's it. It's like no, it's not to to be rich or to succeed. It's, we just got to try.
0: I think you can pretty much say that that. Uh, Ivan is going to be the con man that no matter what he does is himself going to be conned in the process. yeah, he
1: is going <sighs> to sabotage everything he himself does yeah.
0: Um, yeah but he's still gonna end up succeeding somehow like and the weird but, thing is he believe he believes in Josh he
1: keeps telling Josh he's a genius and you get the feeling he actually thinks Josh is a genius and Josh is not
0: a genius no. He, uh, well, to be fair, he's competent. The video that wins the award had nothing to do with John. Well, that's not fair. He shot the the funeral footage, but the video got made into a music video because Ivan, and I don't even think you can do this, Ivan is transferring, supposedly transferring the the last video that the Blender children had, which was shot by them and never completed either. Uh, mm-hmm. transferring it to a new copy to give to Samantha to show on MTV, uh, uh, unwatched, which also I don't think ever happens. And he ends up, instead of bringing the video over to a new tape, he's going to be taping over this funeral that they shot that was never paid for, and he ends up just transferring the music. Well, these guys just died, so the the juxtaposition, if you will, of the funeral and the song Mr. MX-7 ends which up somehow being... somehow syncs up perfectly. <laughs> and there's one piece of color in it. Like, there's that little girl kicking mm. the ball, and it's like, well... Yeah, that, no, bright yellow. Yeah. Um, so it's quite... And also, it's like, it's obvious that they've edited this thing. So it's not like oh, it yeah. just was shot and left on the tape. But um, the fact that those two things mixed, that was actually a mistake, and it was Ivan's. It wasn't Josh. He saw it mm-hmm. happening, and he was like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> and it ends up winning an award, and that's where their their success comes from. Because mm-hmm. the other things that we see him shoot, like we see him shoot this Cube Squared video, and he aims the camera at the band, and they keep the one angle and throw paint and sparklers and glitter on God. them. And make, uh, whoever yeah. these three guys are who are not the band. Um, yeah. And, of course, that's why Don Cornelius says, Am I crying? <laughs>
1: I was moved.
0: Yeah. So I'm trying to think, do we actually ever see Josh do anything Video uh, creative, and I not think terribly
1: because even mean, the there's... Hitman video
0: is just them standing there dancing.
1: Well, uh, he throws that he throws together a sort of a sample video from the party that's thrown when they're security guards, and he just you know edits together the footage from uh, the security cameras of the party. Yeah, that's and true. Plays music over it, so he does some stuff. It's just you know it's competent.
0: Yeah, I think it's 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 two guys who probably really don't have what it takes somehow getting to these opportunities that they shouldn't have and that's fine yeah because <laughs> of course they end up in jail anyway Yeah, um, But they just the, the success they have they just fall into yeah and that's that is the moral of this story yeah you know if you're incompetent <laughs> you'll fall into success <laughs> and all these rock and roll people will be there to help you do it yep yep and maybe even a monkey or a menudo <laughs> a menudo <laughs> Actually, not appearing in this film um, no no no. There's no we
1: never see them um we don't see a single Manu. <laughs>
0: they more like Manu don't. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just couldn't help myself.
1: And I think that brings us quite neatly to the Roundup.
0: The Roundup. So, Max, yeah. you picked this film, d- although you didn't pick this film. I picked <laughs> this film, and you stole it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's ver- because that's what you did in the 80s. So, but this isn't the 80s. Shut up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, so I've, I, it's my it's my session. Don't dispute
0: me. <laughs> Stop. Dis- okay, we're well, enough with Discover Magazine. So um, I'm taking it that you rewatched this and you're like, you know what? I don't like this film anymore. I didn't dislike it.
1: It's just it didn't. Ha- it wasn't when I saw it the first eight times, <laughs> when I saw it when I was younger. It, it really, I loved it. I thought it was great. And now it just there's something feels manufactured about it. I'm going to disagree. Okay, that's fine but I do still enjoy it. I do think it's worth seeing.
0: If you can. And it's
1: definitely worth listening to.
0: Yes. The soundtrack, even if you just listen to the Swanky Mode songs, because to be fair, I'm sorry, Swanky Modes and Roscoe's Rap, you need to listen yeah. to those. Yes. Um, the other things like the Surfers Love Chant and... Um, God, there's, there's like one or two other songs. On Even there. "Baby oh. Doll" is okay. fun to listen to. <laughs> it's catchy. It's very '80s. You can't. It's all in Swedish. But <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Sure. Um, it comes with small meatballs. Um, oof-da, oofda. You know they should be playing that at IKEA because it would help their sales. Um, <laughs> well, IKEA for, is I not I'm Swedish. not sure how much of Devo. I think it's just Mark Mothersbaugh. I don't know if it's everybody. I think it's just him. But um, the Swanky Modes, those songs are great. They're really yeah. good, especially "Ordinary Man" yeah. and. Um, Audience to my pain. Great, great torch song. Um, Because you rarely hear a torch song that's basically like, no, don't love me. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, we can have tonight, but I need to go because this is not going to work. You don't want what's going to be here. And sung by the guy. Because I've heard songs like that that women have sung, but it's like, eh. Anyway, I still find it fun. I mean, part of it's nostalgia, I know, because I saw it when it came out. And yes, there is enough of a hipster in me that I love <laughs> the fact that it's this film that I can quote, and nobody knows what I'm talking about except Max. I delighted
1: before it was cool. Yeah, well,
0: I, it's never going to be cool. Um, <laughs> I had I I had a copy on DVD. I have the box. I couldn't find the disc. I had to go watch it on YouTube. So it's there. I don't know if it's legal. I'm not sure anybody cares, but um, I. It is one of those films that stuck with me for the last thirty years. It, Max and I, even if he's mm. lessened on it, we still quote it. Oh um, yeah, one of us will say, "Am I crying?" And of course, anybody around us are like, "What are they talking about?" Which is exactly <laughs> the point. Uh, I like the cameos; it's fun picking people out. Courtney Love was new; I did not, because uh, you can't tell it's her. She it no, you see her listed, and you're like, "Wait, what?" And Max went and <laughs> slowed his disc down. It's like, "Oh, there she is," but you're not, because even yeah. in, in the in the film itself, it's sped up video. So, yeah, I, I have no idea why she's there. I mean, was she just hanging around the set? And like, hey, can I do something? Oh, uh, no, she's, yeah. I want. I've. I'm sure
1: she said it's always been a dream of mine to spank Clue Gulliger
0: <laughs> And you know, God, God knows, who doesn't have isn't that, that every everyone's dream? And maybe we can help it come true. I think Clue's yeah. dead. I, um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, is it worth watching multiple times? Okay, so there's those films that you're gonna watch. I was like, hey, we're gonna watch this, but we're gonna be drinking or do something. Go ahead, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the little bits you pick out over time. I enjoy it. Um, so I'm going to say yes. Max says stop at eight. Because yeah, after, eight it, bu- after eight times, I think that's a little much. But Definitely, <laughs> so. definitely
1: it's worth a watch and a worth worth a listen. And it, it is a it is a fun thing to do. You know, have, have a wee drinky you <laughs> know, of tomato juice or something healthy. Clamato. And, uh, Clamato juice. Because <laughs> you know what this tomato juice needs? Fish. Clam.
0: <laughs> uh, so, if you yes. drink Clamato, I won't talk to you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Seek it out. It's fun. It's not. It's short. It's an hour and a half. You know. It really is fun. So it also, also, it also is very prescient the way that Max Headroom was prescient because video is the future.
1: Yes, and <laughs> videotape is the future, of course. Yeah, <laughs> and so. I think here we'll wrap it up in but, our usual clumsy and awkward way. But first, what are we going to be talking about next week? Next week we will be watching, I'm not sure how hidden this is, but I think this is a real gem. Again, this is one Mike picked out, but uh, I'll, and Mike will be uh, hosting this one.
0: Maybe. This will be the Val Kilmer vehicle, real genius. Yeah, vehicle, because that like, that's the film that made him a household name.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I always like to think of it as sort of animal house goes to Caltech. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that was one of his... I think it was, if not his breakout role, that was a major one because... That was, I think, prior to Top Gun. Well, we'll find out next week when I look up trivia for that sort of thing. Um, Uh. But
0: in in the meantime, if you folks want to follow us, we have a Facebook page, which we have under Mike Max Movies. As you remember, if you're
1: on. Mike Max Mike Movies.
0: It's not like I didn't title the damn show. (laughs) Max Mike Movies on Facebook. If you go to Twitter, we are Plort Max Mike Movies. Remember, Plort (laughs) is the term for the at symbol because at is no longer cool. Everyone says Plort. I heard it in the mall today.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Completely cool. And you can always see us at at the website, I assume you are listening to now,
0: MaxMikeMovies.com. But really, you should go to, if you're an Apple user, you should go to iTunes, to their uh, podcast, because there you can rate us. And five stars is, I think, exactly what you should rate us. Five. Big, Mm -hmm. fat, juicy. We're going to get all the money stars. Yes. What he said. I think the only person who's rated us is me. (laughs) 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 Which is fine. But yeah, so lots of different ways you can uh, listen to the show, which if you're not already listening to the show, you'll never find out. Uh, But there on our website, you could leave comments if you want to. And eventually, we might even have an email address if we're feeling uh, masochistic. No, wait. Yes, masochistic. Um, But yeah, so otherwise, uh, this is the point where we like to call... uh, No, this is the time in the show that we call... Our, no. the,
1: the the part where we finish the show oh, at the end. this is
0: what we um, do when Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.